Welcome to the Rush Hour Podcast. Sit back and relax or hop on the treadmill for the next hour as we talk Saskatchewan Rush Lacrosse. Every month, Jake Elliott will talk with Saskatchewan players, coaches, executive and team personnel about all things Rush Lacrosse. And now, the host of the Rush Hour Podcast, Jake Elliott. Thank you, Dave Thomas. That would be voice of the Saskatchewan Rush on 92.9 The Bull. Dave Thomas uh, with the intro there, and uh, that's one intro. Why don't I just make another right off the top here is let's welcome the voice of the Saskatchewan Rush on 92.9 The Bull. Dave Thomas to the podcast. Welcome to Daytona Homes Rush Hour, Dave Thomas. Thanks for doing this. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. It's kind of like a Dave Thomas sandwich all of a sudden. Dave. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Dave Thomas sandwich. Uh, might have to get that on the menu at uh, the hotel there in, in Saskatoon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, thanks for doing this. Big weekend coming up. Let's get right into things. Why don't, why don't we? Uh, big weekend coming up, and, and, and it all kind of became a little bit bigger over the weekend with, with San Diego losing a couple of games and Saskatchewan winning. Why don't we start with San Diego, Dave? Uh, it started in Georgia for them last weekend on a doubleheader, and, and not only did they lose that game, but uh, they also lost a couple of players in that game that may be to the rush's favor. Well, absolutely, and you never want to wish ill on a player, of course, but Austin Stott going down is a huge one that really caught the attention of the rush on the road. And, and not so much the injury, but more the result. Let's face it, Georgia is probably the hottest team in the National Lacrosse League. Now they've won five games in a row, eight of their last ten. So they've been they've turned things around after maybe a little bit of a slow start. They've figured things out, and they're coming on strong. And, yeah, San Diego probably rattled a little bit by the injury. But, you know, they had a real tough road trip. You start down in Atlanta. And then you got to find your way to get into Connecticut to take on New England, which isn't going to be a fun trip at the best of times because you're either flying into New York City, Boston, or Hartford, Connecticut, and then busing the rest of the way. So it's a very, very difficult road trip. And I think that San Diego secretly would have been satisfied if they could have got the split. Unfortunately for the Seals, they, they dropped both ends of that. And as I mentioned, we were on the road with the rush, and that's what the players were talking about. Everybody knew what San Diego was doing on the road, and the ramifications of the outcome now mean a first-place bona fide showdown in San Diego on Friday night. Yeah, it'll be a season series on the line and, and really the inside track to getting home floor throughout the playoffs. And Kyle Buchanan also going down in that game with a concussion. And listen to you uh, rattling off airports uh, like it was not, like you're an old grizzled veteran of the NLL trail now, knowing how you get out of Gwinnett County and into Mohegan Sun. That's impressive stuff there. <laughs> you do it a couple of times and you get stuck in traffic and are worried or petrified that you're going to miss a flight once in Atlanta. Yeah. And it sticks with you for a while. Yeah. It, uh, until you've actually been through it at least once or twice, uh, a complete year of NLL travel, you really don't appreciate what these guys go through each weekend to get ready to play a lacrosse game. Like, there, there was weekends, you know, when I would go from the West Coast and whether it to be to New England or Rochester, uh, even Buffalo, like 
I'm exhausted as as just traveling, and then these guys got to go out and play a game. It's it's sometimes it's crazy, especially when they're doing it on back to back. And I and I, I think the perfect example comes in for San Diego. Is we don't want to spend too much time here on the seals on the rush hour podcast, but you could see how tired they were going into New England the next day, and the score really reflected that. By the way, Daytona Homes rush hour. They are committed to you and crafted to care. I know you probably know that already, Dave Thomas, but you got to let the listeners know about that. Um, they're they're on the right direction now as they head into this weekend, but uh, you were down there in Denver. Talk about that game against the Mammoth. Well, there was all kinds of expectation inside Pepsi Center with Colorado having an opportunity to clinch a playoff spot. So really that was built up big going into the game from the Colorado Mammoth perspective. For the Saskatchewan Rush, yes, they came off a victory over Vancouver, but they weren't happy with the way they win or won that game. And I know it sounds ridiculous that you should ever criticize. Never criticize a victory is what I was told once. But when you think yourselves to a 10-2 lead at half, you yeah. expect you know some smooth sailing in the second half. And it didn't quite happen. As the, the rush clearly let off the gas pedal a little bit. So they wanted redemption. They had to come in, and they knew they were playing a very stingy defense that Colorado has put on the floor. For the Mammoth, for whatever reason, just haven't always put the ball in the back of the net. So Saskatchewan's defense, I think, was challenged by the head coach and general manager, Derek Keenan, said, you guys got to carry us this game. And the defense answered the bell. I think it was a very calculated start offensively by the rush, trying to weigh and measure what they could go ahead and try to exploit from the Colorado Mammoth. And in the end, the Mammoth only lost two games this year when they allow 10 goals or less, and both have been to the Saskatchewan rush. Yeah, and I think both those games, 9-7. Speaking of defense, uh, and i, I got to get back to it because I don't think I ever mentioned actually who's coming on the podcast here for Episode 4 of Rush Hour. Nick Bielich uh, will join us here in about 10 minutes' time. And then a little later on, uh, we'll we'll bid adieu to both Dave and Nick, and then I'll have a, a chat with Ryan Keenan and kind of wrap things up here on episode four. I, I was planning to do it after the upcoming weekend, but then I thought to myself, like six games is just too long to go between podcasts. So I wanted to get this one in this week before this big doubleheader comes up. And uh, let's get back down to San Diego here, Dave. You're going to make the trip down there with the Rush. Uh, by the way, were you on were you on Rush Air or were you with the team uh, traveling down to Denver there? Because I know they had like a plane full of Rush sponsors that looked like just they had an amazing time down there. Rush Hulk made the trip. I know uh, Miss Ponticelli was on the flight as well. What? Where were you traveling? Yeah, no, I made my own way down domestically and, and met up with the team to give myself some time to prepare with the team. But you're right, Rush Air looked like a fantastic trip. Uh, we got a chance to meet up with them after the game. I knew general manager and head coach Derek Keenan chatted with the group prior to the game to let them in on the game plan. So, yeah, it was a pretty good display for Rush Nation, and Rush Hulk was prominently featured inside Pepsi Center. As I saw they put that. on the big screen a number of times. I saw that. Him and Wooly were having some fun. They got popcorn dumped over. That I think that's just a fantastic idea by the Urbans to, to kind of uh, – 
give back to their sponsors in that regard. And I know it was a, a huge success that everybody had a great time. And I would expect to, to see a little more than that, uh, in the near future. Um, speaking of the future, it is fan appreciation night coming up this Saturday, Dave Thomas, and, uh, it's going to be a good time at the SAS tell center. And also when you sign up for seasons tickets, and I don't know why you wouldn't, but when you do, I'm sure you've seen it now, uh, Dave, the new, fifth year anniversary jerseys they are something i was going to get one of those tractor jerseys uh for the farmers appreciation night uh and i'm I'm probably still going to do that but those fifth year anniversary jerseys now come on so when you sign up for season's tickets for next season you get one of those and the goal and the hope is to you know have about ten thousand of those if not more in sastel center for the home opener next season Oh, and that'll be fantastic. And I'm with you. I like the look of the green and with the big V on the front. I'm, I'm no Mr. Blackwell, but I was, I'm okay with the look. Okay. I don't know who, who's Mr. Blackwell. Wow. He's Mr. Blackwell, like Mr. Blackwell's list, right? He, maybe I'm too old. No, I think Black- we're, I think we're probably around the same age, but I'm, I'm lost here. So fill me in. Well, Blackwell used to publish his best dressed list. So He'd go ahead and he'd tell, go through all the fashions of the year and oh. he would highlight his best and worst dress list, kind of before it was in vogue to do that at uh, the Oscars. Oh, so he's like the, the Siskel and Ebert of, of fashion review. There you go, exactly. Okay, okay. Well, that's good to know. Um, back to the jerseys. Those things are spectacular. So sign up for season's tickets. You get a free one of those. Uh, with your ticket for next season, uh, fan appreciation night, uh, always a fun time inside Sastel Center. Um, do, Evan and I did the Lacrosse Classified podcast, and I, and I want to mention this here, Dave Thomas, before we get to Nick Bielich, um just over a year now from from the Humboldt tragedy and and um, you know a lot of stories coming out this week about about that and kind of reliving things a little bit. Um, I don't know if I've had a chance to talk to you about it. Uh, you were there a year ago when the Let's Go Broncos chant started up at Sastel at the Rush game. Just take me through your emotions uh, from that night and, and you know maybe from a year later as well. Well, fortunately enough for me, I've been able to work actually with the Humboldt Broncos organization for about the last eight years on one of their biggest fundraisers. So you get to know the organization, you get to know some of the players, not a lot of the players, because we are still about an hour's distance away from Humboldt. But uh, just that hit so close to home with the number of hours that people spend on the bus. And you never second guess or think twice about it at all. And just how the, the news started to trickle out, everyone I'm sure will remember where they were or when they heard the first news about the bus crash involving the humble Broncos organization. It's one of those things that you'll remember forever. And boy, just how do you react to it? What do you say? What do you do? Because there really isn't much you can say or do in that. Time. And just the rush that night, I'll never forget that, how it was so impromptu and just kind of seemed to come out of the blue. And it's still right now, as I talk about it, is giving me goosebumps. And it's hard to believe that we're a year removed. There has been a lot of healing. There still is a lot more work to be done. And again, you think about the first responders and the people that were on the scenes and the families and the friends that are going through from not only the victims, but the survivors as well, because there are scars that you won't see that are going to take a lot of time to heal. 
if they ever do on behalf of the humble Broncos. So it's, it's very still close to home, very raw and emotional when you want to talk about it. And again, you never want to have the wrong response to it. And I think what happened that night at the rush game was the appropriate response and was one that was completely unscripted. And like, like I say, it'll give you the feels for it. Absolutely, and uh, if you if you want to catch a little snippet of that, you can go to the Saskatchewan Rush Twitter page, and uh, they have that on there. Crank up the volume for that, and and uh, kudos to to Todd LeBranch, uh who you know put the game on pause there to kind of let that happen. And and you're right, it was uh, you know for even for a guy that wasn't there or working with the organization or even that close to the situation, uh, it sent chills up my spine to kind of sit back and, and listen to that. And uh, I think you had some really well said comments there Dave and and I can't really add much more to that uh so well done on that uh this is Daytona Homes Rush Hour we're going to take a quick break here and on the other side the Serbian Eagle will join us Nick Bilic right here on Rush Hour next Hey, Rush Nation, this is Scott Campbell from the Saskatchewan Rush. You're listening to Rush Hour Podcast with Jake Elliott, presented by Daytona Hall. All right, folks, welcome back, lacrosse fans. Folks, I don't know where I came up with folks. I never say that. Uh, welcome back to the Rush Hour Podcast here. Presented by Daytona Homes, committed to you, crafted to care. It's Jake Elliott, it's Dave Thomas with you, and now joined by number 79 in your Rush program. It's the Serbian Eagle, it's Nick Bilic. Nick, thanks for doing this. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jake. Uh, my pleasure, our pleasure. Uh, what's what's Nick Bilic up to uh, during the week when he's away from the Saskatchewan Rush? Uh, during the week, uh, I keep it pretty simple. Um, working lots during the week at the Port of Vancouver, and then after work, uh, obviously get to the gym, keep in shape for uh, for the big games on the weekend. And uh, other than that, not too much. Uh, lots of Call of Duty. Okay. Um, after the gym, big big blackout player. Me and a couple guys play uh, Adam Shoot, Mark Matthews. Uh, we're on the PS4, and then we got other guys like. Uh, church and macintosh on the xbox so uh it's okay. a bit of a rivalry but it's a lot of fun and uh <laughs> it's, it's a little extracurricular yeah, uh, i might have to pick a side uh dave thomas are you uh your playstation or are you an xbox guy uh i'm a playstation guy okay is that good or bad i don't know i don't know either i actually own both that's how big of a, a video game junkie i am so i i kind of flip flop back and forth um, I'm all about the PS4, so I'm uh, with, with Steve there. Okay, okay. Well, uh, take me back to Denver, Colorado, Nick. Uh, why don't we go back to to the weekend? And, and that's a, a grinded-out uh, kind of win there. Uh, you know, when when Evan Kirk went down, a lot of people, probably including myself, were like, oh, man, this is, this is not good sort of thing. We're going to be missing the starting goaltender. Adam Schutz really kind of unproven. Um, how good has the kid been? Like he just seems to be gaining confidence with every minute and every save that he makes. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's been unbelievable. Uh, stepping in for Kirky, obviously, it's not an easy task. Kirky's uh, one of the best in the business, and Adams coming there and uh, done a heck of a job so far. And you know, kudos to Derek Keenan realizing uh, 
you know, Adam was ready to step into uh, a larger role this year and, you know, shipping off Eric, uh, Tyler Carlson's not a, not an easy thing. He's a big part of the team, but, uh, Derek kind of realized it's, 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 uh, Adam's time to kind of step in and, and what a job he's been doing so far. And you look back to the game in Denver, it's, it was, it was quite the goaltender battle between shoot and, uh, and Ward there. And, you know, he stood on his head. I think he stopped about three or four breakaways and, uh, he's been, he's been doing a, a real, real good job so far. Nick, does it change the way you play in front of Adam Shute, meaning that he would have different mannerisms than Evan Kirk or Tyler Carlson and maybe wants to see the ball differently or maybe the ball comes off of him differently. Does it change what you do in front of him at all? Uh, no, not really at all. Um, you have been playing the same defense for pretty much the past six or seven years I've been with the team. Obviously, there's there's minor adjustments we make for every team we play, but, uh, you know, the goal that we have in, in the net doesn't change the way we play defense. Uh, we play hard, we play physical, and we play aggressive. And, uh, yeah, that doesn't really change with the, with the type of goal that we have in. Uh, obviously, Adam, uh, he, he likes to come out and challenge the ball a little bit more, so uh, we kind of like to lock the creases. And, uh, no, I don't think we really change our style of play with uh, with the goaltender we have in that. Speaking with Nick Bielich, um, and, and, and Nick, like it, the defense to me from the first six games of the year to the, to the next six games, like it's been quite a drastic change the way maybe – it's it's just been the new guys like Cornwall and and Finley and Jones and these guys coming in and then you guys fitting with them, but the defense looks like it's it's really dialed in like everybody's on the same page right now and and where I'm going is it was you know not only a transition with the new guys but also going from Jimmy Quinlan who's been there for a long time to Jeremy Talevi, although it's the same system, different voice and and different players, it, it's been an adjustment. But I think the adjustment's been made now. Yeah, um, obviously this year is uh, was a little bit different, right? Uh, we're not we're not really used to having too much turnover on any side of the floor, and this year we went uh, went ahead and lost three D guys, which was Pretty, pretty key, right? We lost uh, Defender of the Year 2016, Ryan Dilks. We lost Jeff Cornwall, who's a transition stud and, uh, and a shutdown defender. And then we lost Adrian Sorchetti, who's kind of in the same boat as Cornwall with the transition game. And those are three big key losses to us. And then uh, we insert Corn- another Cornwall, uh, Jordy Jones, who's been unbelievable this year. I can't say enough about the kid. He's, he's got the speed. He's got the defense. He's got the transition. And then uh, we got uh, Supi now, which you know you can't you can't find that kind of experience at the at the trade deadline like we found. So uh, it took us a little bit longer to kind of mesh and settle in. But now that we're uh, now that we're rolling, it's kind of uh, it's kind of cool to see how far we've come from you know the beginning, like you said, the first six game of the year, and then now, which uh, you could really see you know in the last two games we've uh, surrendered under ten goals. So I think we're meshing together at the right time, and it's it's pretty cool to see. And I know, and I know you guys miss Jimmy Jimmy Quinlan, no question about that. But what's uh, what's it been like to to play for a new coach and Jeremy? Oh, Jeremy's an absolute pleasure to play for. Um, you can't really match uh, the intensity of Jimmy Quinlan. Um, 
you know, I still talk to him once in a while over the text and, you know, what's, what do you see? What's going on? Cause his lacrosse IQ and, and his intensity is hard to match. So just getting some pointers from Jimmy still or is still, uh, still the top of my list, but Jeremy's just sitting there and being, being unbelievable. I mean, he spent so much time on video and, and, uh, just pointing things out to the young guys. It's, 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 he's been doing a heck of a job so far and uh he's got a great lacrosse mind as well and and he's he's coached with Derek in the past so he came in quite seamlessly and uh it's been going good so far nick when you go into a season obviously there's team goals Uh, players obviously have individual goals as well yours as a defender and transition player are a little more hard to measure and the fact that you don't have the goals and the assist totals that maybe Mark Matthews does. What type of individual goals do you set for yourself? Um, it's hard to set goals for me. I mean, every year uh, seems like I play a bit of a different role. I try to just do whatever the team kind of needs me to do. Uh, you know, years in the past, I've scored a few goals, got a few assists, a couple of fights. Uh, my team goal is, is just to help the team win every night. And, you know, uh, I think everyone's team goal uh, at the start of the year is to win a championship. And if it's not that, then uh, you got to rethink your uh, rethink your outlook on the sport. So uh, as far as individual goals, uh, like I said, I'm just trying to help the team win every night. Speaking with Nick Bielich, um how long has it been now, Nick? You broke in 2012, I want to say, with Minnesota, right? Uh, 2012 with Minnesota. That's I was drafted by Calgary in 2012. I didn't make the team, and then I was picked up by uh by the Swarm the year later. Yeah, 2012 or 2013, I believe. Yeah. So I mean, it, where I'm going is that you end up in Edmonton, pretty short order. You've been through it now, like you're one of the elder statesmen, one of the veterans on this team. What's what's that transition been like for you to kind of come into a team, being being a young guy, being new in the league, to now being one of the veterans and, and having championship experience and kind of being a mentor to some of these younger guys? Yes, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, uh, I was looking around the room this morning thinking the same thing. I'm not, uh, even though I act like one of the younger guys, I'm uh <laughs> I'm, still, I'm kind of one of the older guys now, which is kind of weird for me. It's uh, a little bit new, but it's cool. I mean, uh, you don't really realize it, but then you you know you start speaking up in the dressing room a little bit. You start pointing out little things to the to the younger guys, and it's it's kind of cool. I mean, uh, you don't really I don't know I don't really get the pregame jitters anymore. I'm, it's my seventh year in the league, so it's it's kind of a uh, it's kind of automatic now, so you know you come to every game and you know what to expect, and you prepare a certain way, and and uh, and you prepare to win. So uh, after seven years and a few championships, I think uh, I think our team, and I think I I kind of know what to expect now. Nick, I, I want to, for the record, say that I'm not calling you old, but you're experienced, and you've seen a lot when it comes to this rush organization, right? From struggling to, to gain some respect, respectability to where you were the last couple of years with expectations being as high as they were, that you would run the table and, of course, win a championship. This year, it's been a, a much more difficult journey or, or at least a different path that you've had to take with some ups and downs along the way. 
where do you see this team at right now where as as compared to where it needs to be if it wants to win a championship again? Yeah, I mean, I was just looking at the standings last night and uh I mean, what a what an opportunity we had this weekend uh against the Seals. Um you know, battle for first place and then uh going back at home in front of our fans and playing Philadelphia to uh you know, to to take that top spot which was uh which I think uh which I think we deserve right now, the way we've been playing. So, well, like I said, what an opportunity for us to hop back in the first place. And, uh, you know, we've ha- had a lot of uh, naysayers and doubters. You know, we, we we lost three in a row. We won three in a row. So it'd be good to uh, show everyone we're still, uh, we're still here and uh, we still want that first place. Speaking with Nick Bielich, and it'll be fan appreciation night on Saturday night at Sastel Center, and I know the fans appreciate you, Nick. Uh, don't forget, when you sign up for season's tickets, you get a fifth-year anniversary jersey. Check them out on their website at sasrush.com. They are absolutely spectacular. I'll be, uh, I might just sign up for season's tickets just to get the Jersey Boys, um, and and you are really a fan favorite, Nick. And and I I don't I'm not going out on a limb saying that. I think the fans really appreciate the game of '79 out there. And and the last time you guys were in Sastel Center, that included a fight against Owen Barker. And I didn't see anybody leave the building or, or sitting in their seats uh, when that went down. And and that's always kind of been a part of your game. And and I was talking with uh, a buddy of yours, Andrew Suter, yesterday about it and how he did a lot of it when he was younger, and, and now it doesn't happen so much anymore, but is that always going to be a part of your game, Nick? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I play hard, I play aggressive, and, you know, I like to lay the body checks, and um, sometimes, you know, other other players won't agree with it, so they'll kind of challenge me or come at me, but uh, it, it's always going to be a part of the game, and I don't think... I don't think they'll ever take it out. I mean, you'll see. You'll see when someone drops their helmet or the gloves, the crowd goes crazy. No one's sitting down on their seats. So, uh, it's it's not a big part of the game like it used to be. I remember when I came into the league in 2012. Uh, each team would kind of dress like uh, like an enforcer. Or I remember playing against guys like Brandon Francis, Troy Bonter, Rory Smith. So. That was kind of a different time in the league. Now you kind of got to dress a player that's gonna play uh, play uh, uh, every shift, and then you know maybe you have to go mix it up a little bit. So the league's changed quite a bit since I've come in, but uh, yeah, it's, it's always gonna be a part of the game. I feel. So in that moment, what I can only imagine what the adrenaline rush might be. What maybe going through your mind? Are you aware of what's happening? What are you thinking, or is it strictly blackout mode? <laughs> I, I wouldn't say it's blackout mode. Uh, no, but just before you get started here, Nick, answering this, I, I actually like I've you know I've watched you kind of grow up through your career, and I really noticed. And we don't want to get too far off the handle here talking about fighting, but. I really noticed you in that fight against Barker. You were much more patient than you have been in the past where you kind of waited to get your grip. You were watching what you were doing, and you were really calm before you started to kind of swing away. Um, Do you think that part has changed as you've matured as a player as well, as you you can answer the question now? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, obviously earlier in my career, you just, once you you drop the stuff, you kind of, Kind of just get over aggressive. Maybe leave yourself, leave your chin out there a bit, which is 
you know, you're, you're trying to go for maybe some damage punches, but you're kind of leaving yourself out there. So this time I was a little more cautious. And honestly, I usually fight guys a little bit bigger than Barker. So it was kind of nice to kind of fight someone your own size for once. And then uh, I took my time with them and uh, let them kind of, you know, do what I used to do, get a little over aggressive with it. And then waited for him to open up a bit before I started throwing some punches. So, yeah, Jake, I agree with you. I'm a little less aggressive than I used to be when I first started fighting. But uh, when you get older, you get a little smarter. So <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Get to go with that. Yeah, speaking with Nick Billich. Um, <clears throat> so we, we talked a little bit about San Diego, and I'm sure you guys saw the news that uh, Austin Stotts and, and Buchanan uh, both going down in that game. And and I don't think you guys are going to prepare any differently. But I mean, what what a loss that's going to be for them. And and you guys got to take advantage of this if uh, if that's the case. Yeah, I mean, uh, what a season Austin Stockton is having. I mean, the kid's an absolute freak. Uh, he he like these moves he's pulling off. He's doing them at you know 100 miles an hour, doing toe drags, picking up rebounds behind the back. It's it's really unbelievable to see. He's such a great player. So. Obviously, if he's not in the lineup, uh, it's going to fare better for us. But we're going to prepare the same way regardless if Buchanan's in, Stotts is in, whoever else they've got uh, coming in the lineup. I know they have a few rookies that are, you know, biting to get in there. So we're going to prepare the exact same way. But uh, uh, that that would be a, a huge loss for them if Stotts and Buchanan were out. So... Obviously, the importance of the game on Friday can't overshadow fan appreciation night on Saturday. How do you approach two games in two nights? Is it? I know that the mentality is one game at a time, but physically, you got to know that you're going to be challenged two nights in a row. Yeah, I mean, we've done it in the past, and it's 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 been great for our club. I mean, we had uh, a couple uh, awesome awesome back to backs where you know we we pick up both wins on the weekend and. It's huge for the team morale, and it's it's pretty cool because, you know, usually we're only around each other for about 20, 24 to 48 hours, but this gives us an extra couple of days to really bond before playoffs and, and get together and have a good time and, and really battle together and see what we're made of. So, uh, obviously, we're going to play the game on Friday. It's, it's for first place, and we're going to give it all we got, but then... Uh, I don't know. you gotta got to kind of play it smart. If, if, you're, if you're up by a bunch, maybe... Maybe don't try and run the floor as much as you would or try and conserve your energy a little bit. It's kind of a, you know, it's not really cool to say, just kind of take your foot off the pedal a little bit, but you got to think of the game for the next night if it's uh, if it's getting a bit out of hand. So obviously our, our uh, eyes are on San Diego first, and then uh, we're going to think about Philadelphia after. Last one here for you, Nick Bielich, Uh and I know you don't get tired, and I don't think these other two guys get tired. I just want you to, to comment on a couple of your defensive partners uh, on the back end, and that's uh, Hasek and Messenger. Uh, these two guys, in the absence of Jeff Cornwall and Ryan Dilks, have really elevated their game to the next level this season. How good a lacrosse are these guys playing right now? Oh, it's, it's crazy. I mean, uh Messenger is an absolute beast. Like, if you just look at the guy, it's just like, holy cow. Like, it's just unbelievable the kind of athlete he is. And his transition game has really, really, really flourished this year. And he's having a heck of a year defensively as well. I mean, when he first came into the league, uh, obviously, like any rookie, he needed a few pointers on defense. But uh, 
he's really coming into his own this year, and it's it's nice to see. And Hostick's just a workhorse, uh, just a farm boy workhorse. And you know what? He's just unbelievable. He's picking off passes. Uh, he's reminding me of a lot of Ryan Dokes, the way he's picking these passes off. And he's just an absolute workhorse this year, and it's, it's awesome to see from him as well. Well, Nick, uh, best of luck this weekend down in San Diego. We'll see you back in Saskatoon for the game against Philadelphia. Uh, appreciate you coming on Daytona Homes Rush Hour, and uh, good luck this weekend. Yeah, thanks for having me, fellas. Talk to you later. That was Nick Bielich uh, of the Saskatchewan Rush, Dave, and, and uh, it's it's interesting, you know. I, watching Nick come into the league way back in, in 2012, um, and to see where his game has got to now, it's it's been a real, a real nice career for him. Uh, you know, he's got the rings to go along with it, but he's really progressed almost every single year, and I think a lot of good years ahead for Nick Bilic. I would agree, and you know, the one comment you made regarding his game intelligence and understanding situations around him, whether that be whether you're dropping the gloves or sure. not, right? It, carries well into what he's doing defensively on the floor, picking when he's going to run with the transition game. I think that, for me, that, that looks spectacular in the fact that he's been able to adjust that way and will help him, like you say, with his longevity in this league and this game. Yeah, and I've, I found it really kind of telling for him to say a guy that he doesn't really get the pregame jitters anymore because I think he was a guy that really used to get them and get them quite badly. So um, that's a that's a nice thing as a professional athlete when you can kind of be at peace with yourself, a little zen, if you will, uh, when you're going into a game and it's just kind of become automatic, like he said. That's, uh, that's when you know you've kind of arrived, I think, as a pro. Um, a couple more minutes here with you, Dave, before uh, we'll let you go and we get Ryan Keenan on the line. I just wanted to ask you a couple of a quick questions here. You've been around the team for, for a few years now. What do you think the biggest uh, difference from this year's team from maybe years past, and, and what kind of similarities do you see between the two clubs as well? Well, the similarities, I think, are, are easy, and that that's the the calm influence that general manager and head coach Derek Keenan brings in that he, he doesn't panic. He doesn't react to things that are going on around him. Maybe even the external noise. He doesn't react to that. He just puts in his game plan. He comes to work with the same attitude, the same mentality, and he has the same expectations from his players that he does each and every week to week, month to month, year to year. And I think that's the easy thing. If you look at the similarities, they're very well prepared and a very physical team and the fact that they can run the floor, they can play the game any way that you want it. I think early on this year that perhaps there was maybe a seed of doubt in the fact that, you know, when you lose the players that the team did, and I know that the team doesn't want to talk about that anymore. They don't want to focus on the players that were lost, whether that be to firefighter college or whether that be through the expansion draft with Adrian Sorichetti. The team doesn't want to talk about that, but I think that there was a little seed and, uh, maybe some doubt crept in, especially when a lot of people predicted that they would go into New England on December 28th and walk away with a win and a big win over San Diego, which was a much closer contest than I think a lot of people thought. So I think coming in, there maybe just wasn't the same confidence level that they had prior to that. Or maybe there wasn't the realization that boy, things are going to be a lot different without Ryan Dilks and without Adrian Sorichetti on the back end and without Jeff Cornwall running the floor in transition. So I think the difference, to, to answer your question and probably babbling on here, Jake, forever, is the fact that 
they weren't at the level that I think that they had thought they would be at initially. So maybe a little seed of doubt and a little bit of confidence that they had to work into their game, which I truly believe they now have found and have really found it, I think, in that loss to Buffalo. Whereas, again, the steady influence of Derek Keenan can't be overlooked in the game plan that him and the coaches go ahead and put in. And Jeff McComb and Jeremy Talevi, they they do the work and they're starting to get the results from the players, which I, I think is the steadying factor for the Rush franchise. No, I think you're bang on there, man. I think you're absolutely bang on. Uh, last one for you, and, and and I know it's a little bit of a tricky one to answer, but maybe you could say, like, what around the team or even a player, who's been the biggest surprise for you and maybe who's been a bit of a disappointment? Oh, boy, that's a tough one. Wow. I'm not messing around um, here, DT. I'm not messing around here. Let's see here. Well, the the easy one, I think, probably for the biggest surprise would – and, again, I think it's a tie. I know you don't want to have ties. No, ties are fine. Shoot, Adam Shute we knew was good. And I think that if you had told me mid-December that – Evan Kirk would go down with a week-to-week injury that's kept him out three weeks now, and we don't know how much longer it's going to keep him out. I think there would have been a lot of nervous people. And Adam Shute came in, won the game that he played in Vancouver, and you know he wasn't sensational, but he gave the team a chance to win. And now, over his last ten quarters of play, I think has been absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, and yeah. just there has been nothing that he has done wrong. And if you want to go with a co-award winner for that, I think you got to go with Jordy Jones-Smith yeah. because he's a guy that literally played in and around Derek Keenan in Ontario. Derek saw something that nobody else did, him not being drafted or anything at all, and thought, I can work with this player. He's got this, the tools. I just have to go ahead and get the tools all working together, and he seemingly has done that. And, you know, Jordy Jones was exposed a few times in the opening weeks of the season, but Every week he shows improvement, so you have to give that to him and the fact that, you know, that's absolutely been sensational the way it's going. Um, as far as a disappointment, that is really, really tough. I know, and we probably shouldn't focus on the negative here, but I just kind of wanted to keep it balanced, and if you can't come up with one, that's totally fine. For me, I think a disappointment this year would have been Matt McGrady, and I know he's not with – the team anymore and and that's disappointing to me because I thought Matt McGrady who's been around for a few years had a real opportunity to kind of seize the, that opportunity and become a regular on that defense and for whatever reason he just couldn't get it done so for me that's that's a bit of a disappointment there and you know what it's not an individual disappointment you know in reflection hearing your answer and that's a very very good answer you know I I would have hoped that Connor Robinson would have taken a big step forward, and he is definitely pushing for playing time. So uh, don't mistake me in that. The, the circumstance I think that I'm disappointed in is with Robert Church. I can see how hard Robert is working, and, man, is he good. And when he is on firing in all cylinders, he is one of the top players in the entire league. And just with him getting injured early on, had the contract situation, it kind of set him back for a start a little bit. Now, again, he's going gangbusters, and I love the game that he is playing, and it is such an unselfish game, but I'm just disappointed that he got hurt off the, off the bat and yeah. went a little bit slow to start. That, that's the only disappointment that I have. Like I say, the entire offense, I really believe, 
is turning a corner and working well together. Just that slow bit of a start for Robert Church, I think, is a disappointment, and it's situational, not individual. Yeah, yeah, and I and I really think I don't think the contract thing had a whole lot to do with anything. I think the injury really hampered him earlier in the season, and then it got to a point where Churchy was like he was getting so many chances, and the ball was just not falling for him. And you knew sooner or later it was going to start to go. And over the last couple of games, it definitely has. And I would expect him to kind of keep producing for the rest of the year because you're right, he's just too good not to. And by the end of the day, uh, end of the season here, it looks like the Rush will have another four thirty goal man in Matthews, McIntosh, Shatler, who's having an amazing career or amazing season. Yeah, he's had an amazing career as well, but he's having an amazing season uh, for the fourteen year vet. And and Mark Matthews right there, uh, averaging just under six points a game on pace again to to eclipse the century mark as well. So. Um, I think everything trending in the right direction here for Saskatchewan as they head into the biggest weekend of the season. Uh, Dave, man, uh, that half an hour, 40 minutes just whipped by here. I really appreciate uh, you hopping on Rush Hour, and and thanks for the time. Uh, Nicely done. Hey, thanks so much for having me. All right, that is Dave Thomas, 92.9, The Bowl. I'll be in Calgary on April 20th with Dave Thomas. Uh, We'll look forward to that one. I think there's three full buses of Rush fans making their way to the Scotiabank Saddle Dome on April 20th for that big game against the Roughnecks. So we'll look forward to uh, reuniting on the bowl uh, in a couple of weeks' time, but we'll look forward to the big upcoming weekend, a back-to-back against San Diego and Philadelphia. We're going to talk to number 25 of the Saskatchewan Rush on the other side. It's Ryan Keenan next here on Daytona Homes Rush Hour. Hey, Rush Nation, this is Jeff Schaller from Saskatchewan Rush. You're listening to the Rush Hour Podcast with Jake Elliott, presented by Daytona Homes. All right, lacrosse fans, welcome back to the Rush Hour, presented by Daytona Homes. It's Jake Elliott with you. A big thanks to Nick Bielich uh, for stopping by, and now... Joined by a member of the offense on the left-hand side. It's number 25 in your Rush program, Ryan Keenan on the podcast. Ryan, thanks for doing this. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jake. My pleasure, man. Um, I always like to start off when I talk to guys for the first time, Ryan, and just ask them how they got started playing lacrosse. I I'm, I think I know the answer to this one, but I want <laughs> you to answer it anyway. Yeah, <laughs> pretty easy one for me. Um Kind of had a stick in my hand uh, since I could walk pretty much. Um, I was, uh, you know, my dad brought me up, kind of coached me since I was since I was a toddler. So, kind of ever since I could remember, I've been playing, and uh, I always remember loving the game and um, just kind of playing all the way up. What's it? What's it been like having? I mean, literally, I know you went off to Quinnipiac, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about that a little bit, but. Literally, you've had your dad as a coach since, like you mentioned, since you pretty much picked up a stick. Like, you haven't really known a whole lot of other coaches. I know you've had some assistants and, and what have you along the line, but what has that been like for you? I, I would imagine there's probably some really great times when you win Minto Cups and NLL championships, but probably also some pretty quiet and awkward car rides uh, after a tough game. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, it's you know, you know, not not many guys have had that experience growing up, but um, if, overall, for me, I think it's you know, it's been it's been a great ride with him, and uh, you know, we've um, I guess a few you know, high school and college, you see that, and uh, it's different playing hockey as well, growing up my whole life, but uh, lacrosse wise, yeah, it's um, it's kind of been a learning curve this entire since I was a kid. You know, I think. Uh, um, the whole, you know, getting rid of the father son thing. And then, um, you know, keeping that aside when we get to the rink was kind of a learning process for, for myself and, you know, for the both of us. Um, but you know, now, uh, kind of as we've gone, you know, through junior and into senior and now the, and now the pros, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of just player coach now. It's a pretty professional relationship and, um, yeah, it's always been like that, but you know, you're right. Yeah, the car rides there was uh it used to be some tough ones. I mean, that was that was hockey. That was hockey and lacrosse though. I, you know, I didn't take it easy on me. So, uh that's uh that's something I got used to. I bet. I bet. What do you what do you do for a day job when you're not playing lacrosse for the rush? Um, not too exciting. I work for a uh, I work for a health and beauty company in sales uh out of Toronto. So, um, don't sell yourself yeah. short, man. I mean, obviously somebody's buying your products. They're excited about it. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, it's a good gig, but, um, you know, the key is I kind of make, make it work with, uh, with lacrosse and that's, uh, that's a tough thing for, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the guys in the league, but, um, it really you is. Know, it everyone, really... everyone makes it work. Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, some guys' situations are a lot easier than others. And I think back to just a, a teammate of yours a couple of years ago and Adam Jones, who's never been able to, to play a Friday night game just because he can't get the time off of work. Um, as we speak with Ryan Keenan here and, and I mentioned Quinnipiac and, and you spent, uh, your university experience there, but you came through the Hill previous to that. And how much like the Hill to me, it's, I kind of admire it from a distance because it's just kind of, those kind of things are just kind of starting to, to blossom here in BC. We never really had anything, especially when I was growing up like that, uh, to kind of prepare you for the next level. Did, did the Hill do just that for you? Did it get you ready to, to experience a four year university where you're, you know, having to go to class every day and practice every day and, and all that sort of stuff? Oh, absolutely. It was, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a tremendous experience for me. Um, you know, and I was, you're right, it's still kind of a new thing up in Canada. Um, uh, the whole private, you know, development school for, for just like solely for athletes. Um, and even, you know, when I was there, it was only in its, you know, seventh, eighth year of, a of, of being a, a school at that point. So a lot of it was new and, um, you know, I was a, you know, a young kid with a lot to learn and, um, and, uh, definitely a lot to learn as a player. You know, I went in there and, you know, I, I was definitely a late bloomer. I, I wasn't much of a player back then, but I kind of just learned how to, um, you know, the, how to, you know, how to work every day and, and how to, you know, reach my goals and, you know, be a better, a better player, a better leader, kind of a better person overall. So uh, it definitely helped me get to uh, kind of where I am today. And why why Quinnipiac? Uh, did they come pursuing you, or is that a destination that you kind of had your eye on? Yeah, it was uh, yeah, Quinnipiac. It, it was it was kind of funny how it all worked out. I mean, I um, like I said, I was I was a late bloomer, and uh, yeah, at the time I'd kind of finished my 
my my senior year of high school and you know a few a few offers kind of fell through and you know I was kind of uh I was kind of down at that point thinking you know I maybe I'm I didn't know if I was just going to go back for for a PG year or uh or um you know go to Canadian University or something um things just weren't kind of panning out so I um I mean it just kind of happened randomly in a summer tournament down uh down in Maryland I think they saw me and uh, they kind of, you know, they kind of jumped on me right away and it clicked. And I didn't know a whole lot about the school. There's a few Canadians there that I was able to talk to, but, um, you know, I, I kind of learned some more and then went on a visit and kind of just fell in love with it. So I was, uh, it was a good decision, but it kind of just came up out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy how that yeah. can work sometimes as we speak with Ryan Keenan here. Let's uh, flash back to. 2016 in the NLL entry draft and uh, Saskatchewan holding the first and the third pick of course in that draft and and I think it was a pretty much foregone conclusion that that Derek was going to pick you and and you know really Ryan you were either going to go one two or three in that draft anyway and I think you just kind of got that out of the way but with being the number one pick and and kind of having that label hanging over you in your rookie year did you feel any extra pressure coming into the pro league and being the number one guy and and the situation that you're in with your dad being the gm was that was that extra pressure on you in your rookie year yeah i mean there's there's kind of no denying it it was uh you know it's kind of a yeah it'd be hard not to feel that that pressure it was a kind of a unique situation i was in um and you know, I, I feel like I was, um, you know, I, I definitely got into the league and, and had to improve on a lot of things in that rookie year. Um, just kind of the speed and the, and the, and the strength of players, I, I quickly learned. But, um, yeah, it was, uh, you know, it's um, it wasn't an easy thing. And, you know, part of me wanted to, you know, uh, maybe slip a few picks, but uh, at the same time, you know, it's uh, it was a pretty special thing. And, um uh, you know, I'm, you know, at a point now where I'm, I'm confident in my abilities and, uh, and that I'm, I'm working towards earning that, that spot. Yeah. Just so fans know, Challen Rogers and, and Mike Messenger went two and three. So pretty good top three class there. And it's, and it's worked mm-hmm. out for everybody involved. Uh, let's, let's move along here, Ryan. Um, I know still, uh, big portion of the season left here coming down the stretch with playoffs on the horizon as well. But I kind of wanted to ask you about your plans for the summer. Have you ever considered making a a trip out West to to play some summer ball? Yeah, um, absolutely. I've, uh, it's kind of, it's kind of been something in the back of my mind for, for a long time. Um, it's always, you know, been a goal of mine to, to do it at least once. Um, and, um, you know, this is kind of, this would be one of the years, you know, when I'm young and, um, you know, I spent a few years in Brooklyn now and, uh, definitely, uh, I'm definitely looking into a few options right now, but, um, you know, as of right now, I'm just, I'm just, you know, still focused on heading into playoffs here with the NLL season. Um, but absolutely, it's uh, it's on my radar. All right. Well, maybe it's uh, maybe we just broke some news here. Maybe Ryan Keenan is going to find his way to the WLA this summer. Uh, let's <laughs> let's go back because uh, th- we're recording this here on a Wednesday, and obviously a big weekend for the rush coming up. And uh, you'll head down to San Diego, and and a big season series on the line here with uh, with the Seals, and potentially 
home floor throughout the playoffs, and, and then you got Philadelphia on on the Saturday night. But I guess you know you got to solely focus your attention here on Friday and, and try and get that one under your belt because if you don't, then Saturday doesn't really mean as much as it probably should. Yeah, for sure. This is a you know this is going to be a grind of a weekend here. Um, we've kind of had marked on the calendars, and you know we uh, we kind of didn't. We weren't hoping it'd be kind of this much of a dogfight here at the end of the year, but um, you know, here, here we are, and uh, this is you know this is the biggest weekend of the year. So Friday night's gonna, you know, we gotta get a little redemption in San Diego, and then um, you know, find our way back to a few flights and find our way back to Saskatoon for for Saturday. But uh, one game at a time here. Um, you know, we're in a battle here with San Diego for first, so it'll it'll be a good one on Friday. Fan appreciation night on Saturday at Sastel Center. Don't forget to sign up for those season's tickets. Get yourself a fifth-year anniversary jersey. They are a thing of beauty as we speak with Ryan Keenan here for a few more minutes on the Rush Hour podcast. Um, favorite things to do away from lacrosse, Ryan? Uh, favorite things to do um, in the summer, I'm, I'm usually fishing, uh, mostly fishing or, or golfing. Um, but you know, fishing's kind of always been my my love away from from uh, you know lacrosse. What's and, your favorite uh, getting kind away from everything? What's what's your favorite what's kind of fishing to do? You a lake guy, river guy, fly fishing? What do you like? Um, yeah, mostly lake fishing up here in uh, in central northern Ontario. Uh, bass fishing mostly, but um, you know, with my with my dad, actually, we've kind of gotten to a little more. Uh, uh, salmon fishing Lake Ontario a little more the past few summers, but um, you know, always uh, it's, it's been more bass and walleye fishing kind of in, uh, in around Ontario here. And, um, and you and your buddy Mark, 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 he gets into that too, doesn't he? Yeah, Mark loves his fishing too. Uh, yeah, we uh, we've we've uh, been quite a few times in the last couple of years as we've as we've become teammates and buddies here. So uh, yeah, we like to we like to get away, you know. Um, grab a boat, grab the boat, and uh, kind of get away for for a day or a couple of days. It's uh, there's nothing better. Now I was talking to to Nick previous to you, and he says he's he's deep into the Call of Duty on the video games. He said there's like a faction of Xbox guys and PlayStation. Are you in on Are you in on the video games and the Call of Duty with with the boys? No, not at all. That's not that's not my crew. Um, <laughs> those those guys, I, I don't get it. How they you know how they're they're working and. You know, a guy like uh, somehow Corbs is is in that crew. With, oh man, you know, the amount the amount he's got going on. But yeah, uh, yeah. those those, those, those guys' things. Um, you got to find. I'm not, I'm not much of a gamer. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm more into I'm more into the shows. So I, I got a few, few uh, good shows I yeah, got going I, on. I saw but not, on, not the games for me. I saw on the website uh, your big Shameless guy. You all you all caught up on Shameless. Oh yeah. Oh um, no, I didn't. I actually didn't catch up on the last last season yet but um i definitely got to get back on that one yeah i just finished up. uh you know we got game of thrones coming back on here so right. i'm uh i just i just finished up my my, my third rewatch so okay. i'm ready to go <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like you have to do that with that series is is go back and watch a full season just to kind of catch up because so much happens in one episode that if if you don't then by the time the new season rolls around you're completely lost 
Oh, you have to, yeah. And it's, it's. I don't know, I just, I, I think I like it better every time, so I've, I've watched it a couple times. Now. No doubt, no doubt. I uh, I heard you mention you like to do a little golfing. Another thing happening this weekend, of course, uh, they'll be teeing it up down at Augusta. You got a, you got a Masters prediction, maybe a favorite player uh, you want to see throw on the green jacket? Wow. Um, yeah, it's tough to say. Um, you know, it's hard to... You know, I think everyone, most people are Tiger guys. I, I'd love to see him kind of get back, back there and get the green jacket on. But um, I don't know. Rory's playing well. He it might be his time to to finally get it. So yeah, yeah. we'll we'll see. Um, Golf is yeah, so. It'll be hard. good. It'll be good on Sunday when we when we get back from Saskatoon. No doubt, no doubt. Golf is like so hard to predict who's going to win on any given week. It's it's really a crapshoot. Uh, and and of course, hockey. Uh, the national or the what am I trying to say? The Stanley Cup playoffs began tonight uh are you a leafs guy i i, I don't want to hang up the phone on you here but are you are you a leafs guy yeah of course i'm a leafs guy <laughs> okay, so are you picking Can them you... to win the cup is that is that happening now? no or... no i'm not i'm not i'm not uh i'm not that dumb i mean either uh <laughs> they got a long way to go i think um i i mean they need some I, defense I, I, I think i think they got some better I think people are going to be surprised here against Boston, but um, yeah, I don't know if they're they're ready to go to beat a team like Tampa yet. Yeah, I don't know if anybody's stopping Tampa Bay. They are unbelievable this year. Hey, uh, Ryan, I won't keep you any longer, man. I really appreciate you doing this. Uh, best of luck down in SoCal on Friday, and I will see you at Sastel on Saturday, my man. Perfect. All right. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jake. Appreciate it. That was Ryan. Right. Yeah. Cheers, man. See you later. See ya. That was Ryan Keenan of your Saskatchewan Rush. He and his teammates will be down in San Diego on Friday night to take on the Seals. That would be the noise that it makes when somebody hangs up the phone. And they'll be back at Sastel Center on Saturday night. It's fan appreciation night. I can't wait to get to Saskatoon. This weekend, uh, don't. Oh, the other thing I wanted to mention: uh, don't forget to be checking out Rush TV with Miss Daniela Ponticelli. Um, all the episodes posted up there on the website as well. I'm sure she's going to be cranking out some new content soon. A uh, couple other things for Rush Nation: I'm sure you're aware of the cursed Ben McIntosh jersey. And if you haven't heard about this story, dig into it a little bit. A man by the name of Ryan Booth owns a cursed Ben McIntosh jersey, and myself, Evan Schemenauer, and Ben McIntosh are going to change the fortunes of this young man and get him a new Benny Mac jersey this weekend. Uh, so speaking of that, stop by the Rush Team Store this Saturday from noon, I think, until about 3, 4 o'clock. They're going to have uh, food trucks, barbecues going. I'm sure some... Uh, big sales going on in the team store as well and a chance for kind of rush nation to get together do a little pre-gaming possibly and uh, have some fun before the big rush game on saturday night against the philadelphia wings one last time don't forget sign up for your season's tickets and when you do you get a fifth anniversary jersey uh to go along with it which uh sounds like a pretty sweet deal to me we've crossed the hour mark that's it folks we are going to wrap things up here on daytona homes rush hour podcast big thanks to nick Bielich and ryan keenan for coming on the show and for you rush nation for listening to the podcast we'll be back with another 
uh, coming up in May. But for now, we'll get you on your way. For Daytona Homes, this has been the Rush Hour Podcast. I've been Jake Elliott for the fastest game on two feet. And for the creator, we'll see you Saturday night at the Sastel Center.